0: The world is going to be shaped by the leaders, whether or not you're one of them. Mm -hmm. And the leaders are not necessarily qualified, they're just the ones that stepped up.
1: You know that scene in the 1992 Disney animated feature, Aladdin, where Aladdin goes into the cave? Well, in the middle of all the gold and jewels and the flying carpet and the lamp, right there in the corner, there's a Lamassu. I remember the first time I noticed that. It was this moment of recognition and representation of our culture that I didn't realize was missing from my life. This is also the feeling I get when the movie credits roll up and I recognize an Assyrian last name staring back at me from the screen. It's a feeling of pride, but more than that, it's one of possibility. It reminds me of what is possible for our people and how we appear in public spaces. I think most of you can relate, which is why I'm so excited to bring you today's guest, because I think his story shows us how Assyrians can become leaders in their own right, in their own communities, wherever they live. Hey everyone, it's Rhoda here, and on episode 66 of the Assyrian Podcast, you get to hear my conversation with Andrew Nostrati. He was born and raised in my old hometown of Turlock, California, and at 31, he is currently serving his first term as a city council member. I got to talk to Andrew about leadership, representation in politics, and compromise in governing. His perspective on politics and governing is refreshing. Andrew is the type of bright Assyrian who makes me hopeful. If there are Assyrians like him around the world committed to change and progress and working for the betterment of their communities, then I think we've got a lot to look forward to. But first, support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligarakos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. And now, here's Turlock City Council member Andrew Nostretti. Well, Andrew, welcome to the Assyrian Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I'm really excited to talk to you because I have some questions about Turlock and your life and what okay. it's like to be a council member. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, I think okay. so. I'm an expert on most of those things.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> Were you born in Turlock? I was. Uh, yeah. In the 90s? or
0: I'm an 80s baby. All right. I had a solid two years in the 80s, so it was some of the best years of my life. Uh, yeah, I was born in 1988. So cool. I'm, yeah,
1: 31 now. If I remember correctly, your dad had a slot on the public
0: television.
1: Yeah, he still television. does. He
0: still does. Yeah.
1: It's... So, for those who may not be from Terlock, yeah. can you explain what that whole thing was or my, is? <laughs> yeah,
0: my, my dad has been making public access television for longer than I've been alive. He's. Uh, I just there's footage of me from like my childhood sitting on his lap on that show and he's kept it going And so I think it's one of the most impressive things to even fathom like a weekly running show He does you know keeps the Assyrian community aware of some of the things like local community events And he'll occasionally talk about some you know national or whatever news that applies to them honestly though like i haven't seen my dad's tv show in its entirety in a very long time because it's just it gets embarrassed you're embarrassed of your parents and then uh you're just like oh there's my dad on tv and i'm like i'm not gonna listen to what's going on uh it's just yeah he has his routine or just like oh today's the day he films uh-huh. the show uh and he, he always he goes to his tons of assyrian events like uh church events and stuff that the civic club is doing and he's He's got his little camera running around town, um, trying to capture what it is to be a Syrian in Turlock.
1: That's a good description of it, because what I remember is every Syrian picnic and every Syrian party, your dad was there recording, and it was like a version of what, like, Facebook streaming is, yeah. for you know, today. Yeah, for but the older generation. Exactly, but every week um, there would be a program. If there was a party, like, two weekends before, or a weekend before, you yeah. were sure to catch it yeah. on the public access film. It was television. quick,
0: like, uh, showing everybody who was at the party, who yeah. was at the picnic, yeah.
1: I wondered if there was something you learned from your dad about his desire to use the media, a media outlet, for the benefit of his community.
0: What I have my dad most to thank for is he he started this media company back in the analog days he also did like wedding video production and stuff like that and when once digital happened i remember his business kind of coming under attack he was he was too old to learn how to do it run a digital business and i was 12 years old at that point and uh, a very tech savvy kid growing up with computers and I just remember having to learn how to do video editing, and it was became it became something that like became really interesting to me. I did some I did the editing for his like uh, weddings and some of his show and his commercials and my teens, uh, and really kind of inspired me to get more engaged with technology. And also, I ended up studying film and media in college. Oh, yeah, always had an interest in it, and it was. Sparked by my dad's need to like stay stay relevant in that industry, I was like, I I can I can do this. It's just a computer and a camera. I'll just connect them and figure it out from there. So it it did force a lot of growth early on in my life.
1: You said you studied film Mm -hmm. um, in college. Where did you go to college?
0: Santa Barbara, UCSB. Film and media studies with a minor in anthropology. So back then. I don't. I I I was creative in that, like I liked writing, and I, I think at that point I believed I would, could be like a filmmaker. Uh, I would do a lot of uh, a lot of writing in that space, and I wanted to see what that played out. and And then near the end of my college career, I took some anthropology classes, and that just really sparked my interest. I, you know, like studying human behavior and how like we as societies tr- have acted throughout history and what some of the root causes of all that is, has kind of, I think that's my how my brain has always operated. And then when I found out that there's a whole study of it, I was just like, oh, this is great. And I just kind of crammed a minor in, in the last like year and a half of my class. And, I, um, and then, yeah, went off to LA after that, worked in some random TV gigs and production jobs, and then eventually landed a job in um, music tech distribution stuff.
1: But then you decided to come back to Turlock. Correct. I recently listened to an interview with Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, who is also running for president at this point. He said that when he was growing up, success meant leaving your hometown, Uh Um, that everybody he went to school with... Uh, what they considered a successful person was somebody who was going to go off, yeah. go to college, and then move somewhere else. Right. And he decided that that wasn't the way he was going to define success. That he wanted to come back to South Bend, Indiana, and yeah. invest himself, his talents, and everything he had learned back to his hometown.
0: Yeah.
1: Does that make that re- sense to re- yeah, you that and res- resonate with you? That resonates
0: you? a lot. I, I didn't uh, hear him say that, but... Um, yeah, I lived in LA after college, and I moved to New York for a couple of years. And you know, I was doing fine for myself. I had a, a decent career. There was a lot of opportunities presenting themselves. But while I was in New York, I became a little more politically minded. Um, it's very eye opening out there. There's just a lot of people that care about things that need people to care about them. And I think the political climate within the country forced a lot of people to kind of review what their role in it was. Um, you know, there's a lot of activist groups out there and um, people were up in arms over the things that were happening And in my life. At that point, I just had al- always had a passive interest, was state informed, had opinions on the way things should be, but never really thought that it was my place to even participate outside of a vote and then I got like more and more involved and I saw okay I don't think the activist community is the avenue for me because I think that sometimes um, activists act in a way that's very disruptive but necessary Uh, and I was was like I don't think that's where my skill set works I believe very strongly in a lot of the things that different groups support and fight for but I was like that's not where my that's not where I fit in. So then I like started volunteering for some different like council, local council gigs out in New York, and I was like, oh, I could probably work on a camp, you know, work for an elected official and be a staffer or something like that, make help push policies through. And then I met more and more elected officials. I was like, why am I not even considering myself for that? Um, there's they, they're me, but did it? They did the thing, and. And I was like, okay, how does that look? And while this was happening, at the same time, I had like this realization that people in New York and people in LA that are uh, in San Francisco and all these major cities that have these idealized versions of what the world should Mm be, all left somewhere that is so much further away from that idealized world. Mm -hmm. They came to a Brooklyn where everybody agrees with them and uh, didn't stay and fight. They didn't stay and try and create the thing that they want to see happen. Um, and I like I was like, am I a coward? Am I, I've i come to this place where everyone, you know, agrees with me and we're yelling, but what for? What for? And i just like, you know, my family's always in Turlock and I would regularly come back here. And I was like, there's so much opportunity for real progress here that, and, I, and like, I'm, if all I had, I grew up with some, like the great, some great, like smart kids. And I thought, what would what, what does Turlock look like if those kids don't leave? If they come somehow, go get their education, at all the brilliant schools that they were excited—they were much all much smarter than me. They'd go get their schools in different uh, areas and come back, bring their new knowledge. Then Turlock is that great town that we want. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I got here and I was like, okay, I I'm like one person, but if I do it, then it kind of shows other people that you we can do it. You just have to believe that Turlock's capable of housing it. And I think that's where government comes in. You you get elected leaders that are really supportive of that v- version of the future. Hopefully other people can see that and uh, start investing in our town.
1: A couple of things just based on what you were saying. The idea of these bubbles that we live in, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes I see that and I might be guilty of this too. We create our own bubbles both in terms of the places we choose to live but also the content we consume Mm -hmm. in terms of social media and Twitter especially. I feel like Twitter is my bubble. I choose to follow people that I agree with. um, And then there are a couple of people that I don't usually agree with. I'll throw them in there just just to feel like I'm well-rounded. But I think that that makes sense to me and just like wanting to come back to a place where you could make real change yeah. maybe and, and be more impactful.
0: And yeah, the the political world, I mean, being a politician, it sounds like a dirty word nowadays, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's been the most inspirational thing I've ever done in my life because that bubble that we all live in, you have to pop it. Mm-hmm. You have to get out there and you're knocking on doors and you're talking mm-hmm. to, you're talking to real people that live in your town mm-hmm. and it's just... Yeah, all all these impressions we have about the people we disagree with are all so wrong and that's the stuff that's fun about local politics because I I ideologically disagree with a lot of people in my town Uh, but I know that fundamentally we agree Mm -hmm. and that's just like a matter of bridging that gap Mm.
1: tell me about your decision to want to run for city council and Mm -hmm. what your family's reaction was to that
0: (laughs) (laughs) well uh, w- once I got back here, I, w- I was co- living in New York. So the adjustment back to Turlock <laughs> was hard. I, in what um, I, ways? I New York's <laughs> got a lot of energy. <laughs> sure. And it has a way of energizing you. Mm. Um, so there was like an adjustment period when I first moved back here where I was kind of like running up the walls trying to figure out how to... You know, stay and or keep that, mm. keep that New York beat, whatever it is. <laughs> you're just like, I in New York, you're bored and you just go out the street and you walk to the park and you just you enjoy the day and mm. it, that was a nice thing. And then you come to Turlock and you're like, that's not really a thing we do here. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was like, Mom, why don't we? Why don't you go for a walk? And then she's just like, Where? Where do I go for a walk? And I was like, It's true. We got to change. We got to change that. And I just got here and I was like. I there's things about New York I absolutely despise I hate with a passion but also love it's a love hate relationship. Sure. Uh, but leaving it, I was just like, okay, those things that I love uh, that aren't here, how do I help make them come here? And I was like, I got to figure out who's running this town, who are the people that are shaping the, this town's future. And I just started uh, meeting a lot of people and also just wanted to reintegrate myself into the community in in a way that i never i left when i was a kid so i never really had a chance to do that but yeah i just started meeting a lot of people and i and then um i met the council members that were sitting during that thing and i was like i could i think i could do that and i just i don't know that much about local turlock local politics but I'll learn it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do my job that I was doing until I learned it. Yeah, uh, And so I just started asking a lot of questions. I just met with every single business owner, every single influential community member, and literally anybody at a coffee shop that was just there, i just ask them some questions. And then, like, I think I can learn quick. Uh-huh. And uh, then I was just like, I'm going to run. My, my parents originally were just like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> but I think they knew. T- it tends to be when I tell them an idea. It's phrased like I'm asking, but they already know that I've made up my mind. So, so you weren't like, asking for permission. Yeah, I wasn't. But I was like, uh, just so you know, this is what I'm thinking about. When I say I'm thinking about it, I've already pretty much decided unless you give me really compelling reasons not, <laughs> not to, to do this.
1: It. What did you think a typical day for a city council member would be like?
0: I don't know. I, don't, I had no idea what to expect. And I just went in uh, trying to not have expectations. And I was like, and I, I think, I don't know if I published this, but I, when I was campaigning, I wrote something where it was talking about how, like, what is a council member? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what a council member does. The public doesn't know. And the, the thing that I realized is council member is anything you want it to be. You can be just a person that shows up uh, two times a month to that council meeting and the staff does all of the work that they need to keep the town running. They bring their recommendations forward. You could not ask questions. You could say yes, no, go about your day. You could do that, and that's a council member. Uh, You could also not show up to meetings, too, and you're just probably eventually going to get voted out. You can also be someone that really engages with the process. You could be someone that... These, you're not just waiting for city staff to bring things forward, but you're looking actively at what other cities are doing. And then you go to the point where you're almost a nuisance. You try and be friendly and bring cookies every once in a while so they still like you when you're (laughs) asking questions. But you ask, why is it that we are using like LED light bulbs instead of solar for our lighting infrastructure? And then they're like, well, when we pursued this project a few years back, and you're like, okay interesting bit of information I just got there and then you just like poke every single corner and you you, when you're talking to the trash services people you're like what is the state of our landfill what is the state of uh, our uh, recycling efficiency Uh, you know like what is our long term uh, transit plan what is it and you you just can do everything if you want Uh, you know so much as time allows it that's from the policy side you can uh, really investigate what kinds what you want to see from your town's future and really lead in that regard and be a champion for the things that you care about and then there's also just that the intangible role that you have as a community leader that that role that you could just you could show up to events uh, but you could also inspire people if you want you've been given a microphone all of a sudden now people have to listen to your voice whether. <laughs> They like it or not, you've, you're given a microphone, and that's an incredibly powerful thing. That you have the opportunity to hate, help shape culture and help shape your community. You have the opportunity to give that microphone to people that typically don't have it. You show young kids that they can have the microphone. Like, they, I was at the what's, the what's it, Cassia? Do you know Cassia? There's, it's like the. Oh, it's the Assyrian the, yeah.
1: Central Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, the youth, the Central uh-huh. Valley
0: youth thing. And uh, I remember like just there was like a weird moment where I realized like seeing a, seeing younger Assyrians being kind of proud of me being there. And I had never thought about that part mm-hmm. of it at all. And I was like, I as when I was that kid's age, whether it was high school or younger, I never saw Assyrians and in this position mm-hmm. and that's probably why one of the reasons i never thought i would be the the leader mm-hmm. but now like that kid saw it and he probably is one step closer and that's that's the fun part I like that.
1: <laughs> everybody who runs for some kind of office comes up with a platform for their campaign yeah uh what was yours
0: the things that i talked about the most uh the, the most important priorities to me was was housing economic development, let's just talk about housing because that's the most mm-hmm. important thing. Because I could honestly spend, my, I'm going to spend my entire term working on housing. Yeah, housing is the most important crucial thing. It's housing first. I, I And when, when I talk to people about what I should be uh, campaigning on, they said talk about roads, talk about water, and talk about the budget. And those are all incredibly important and I know a lot more about them now than I did when I was campaigning. Mm-hmm. But I was like, the state of housing in our town is terrible. There's so many people. How many, I know a lot of people that are really struggling to pay their, pay their rent. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we campaigning on that? And they're like, well, that's a state issue. Mm -hmm. Or Well, that's a national issue or well, the County will take care of it. I said, but shouldn't our local officials be the first people to start campaigning about it? Shouldn't they be the ones that are intimately aware of my, the community needs and force our, County and our state to make stuff happen. Can't Turlock be the one that does it? And that's been really the one of the most exciting things that that's happened during this term. We're I'm in the process of like we're really really trying to get a grasp of the homeless situation here uh, in in this town. And um, I've made it my full time job to understand that by. Uh, like researching what other cities are doing and some of the research like out there conducted by like what is the best approach is and how do you engage a community on all this stuff and we're in like the infancy stage of some really great things, I think for this town we're developing what will I hope become a housing commission we don't have a housing commission in mm-hmm. turlock uh you small towns i don't think have a, the only thing you have to have is a planning commission. Mm. So, I was like, why don't we? Shouldn't we? There's a lot of people that are really concerned about this, and shouldn't we put a lot of minds together and make sure that they're actively engaged with how our city's impacting the housing market, how they can work with developers to stimulate new housing? Uh, What are the types of permanent supportive housing units that we need? And what does the homeless population look like? And what are the things that are effective? And if, unless we have dedicated resources and we make that an actual spot that's carved out in Mm -hmm. in our city then obviously it's never going to be a priority Uh, and I've been really just working on that primarily as my my focus since I've started and there's a lot of traction happening now because getting people into city hall is hard especially because they don't trust that we're going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had a lot of politicians talk for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I've been going out to them and I've just been having meetings with every person that will meet with me mm-hmm. across all segments, all sectors, um, to say, this is what I'm thinking. Um, what do you think? And then saying, like, I want you to be a seat at this table while we solve this. Because if I have the landowners and I have the developers and I have the policymakers, and I have the school board and I have investors and I have the national governments here and I have the f- mm-hmm. state and we're all in a room together. We will solve it. You'll, we'll either just continue like run against a problem and say, this is where it's broken. Well, we have everyone here needed to fix it. Mm. What well, we have no excuses right now. So that's, I'm working on organizing and, bringing all the right people to the table right now. And there's a lot of great progress happening there and I'm very excited nice. about that.
1: And did you feel like that message about how important housing was to you resonated with Not people? At all. <laughs> I, think
0: that, I think that the majority of people uh, were just excited for change. Mm-hmm. They saw like a young person that was energized, had like, good ideas. And like my ch- campaign was about change and engagement really. Like the, I, I tried to, sell people that never... When they tell you to campaign, they say, like, go and knock on the doors of voters, the ones that vote a lot. Don't worry about the one that doesn't vote very often. Don't talk to young people. They're not going to mm-hmm. vote. Uh, you know, don't talk to a Republican because he's going to vote Republican. I didn't, I didn't subscribe to that. I knocked on the doors that I wasn't supposed to because I think every person... We shouldn't play politics. <laughs> we should talk to each person. And then we... Uh, the message that if you have a good message, it works on everyone, uh, and it's not a message of "I have the answers; I'm going to solve them." It's just, "Hey, collectively we can do a hell of a lot together, and get back get back into believing in something." And it, I think uh, with the I, there were some really great connections that I made along the campaign. Those.
1: We were joking before we started recording that Turlock is a little Assyria because there are so many Assyrians here. Um, Assyrians, like any other community, uh, are comprised of people with different ideological uh, backgrounds and perspectives and values. Did you feel like, as an Assyrian, you just had their votes by the virtue of being Assyrian? Or did you feel like you had to earn it with your message?
0: I think I could have been pretty terrible and they still would have supported me that's that was the and it was hard for me to grasp and I kind of didn't like it I was like don't vote for me just because I'm a Syrian vote for me because like I'm you qualified and like because you want it. but but they it's such it was like a beautiful thing that you know they say that like you're like my son uh-huh. and it, that was such a, a gr- great experience I I never imagined that it would be that way with so many people I've never met before but they're just so happy and so proud to see one of their own do something like this Um, the less I talked with them the more likely they were (laughs) to vote for me Uh, but I think that ideological stuff, most people that are heavily engaged in politics from an ideological standpoint on the Assyrian side uh, are very opposed to me ideologically, they still agree with what we want to do uh the most but I do think that a majority of Assyrians have ideological views that are in line with me, but they're not the ones engaging with the system. We don't have that many young Assyrians engaged with like the masses of Assyrians that are the working class are not engaged in the political system. the ones that are really financially struggling are not engaging in the political system. their ideological views when aren't they're not actively saying this is me, this is who I believe, because they're not, they're too tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, they're not going to be like, who's my local councilman and what can he do for me?
1: Yeah, Sure. You are not the first person, the first Assyrian in City Hall. Yeah. We had an Assyrian mayor, and I think there was a council member yeah, before you. Matthew the, Jacob. Yeah, he yeah. was on um, the city council. Did you know them? Uh, did you get get to talk to them?
0: Yeah, John Lazar has been a very, very... Uh, great influence for me. I've uh, and John know,
1: Lazar was the Turlock mayor. mayor. Yeah, yep.
0: he, uh, you know, has has been an open door, and I am forcing mentorship on him. <laughs> uh, and I think he's accepting <laughs> it. But I just pop in, pop my head in there whenever uh, I'm around that side of town, and I have a question. He's got uh, such a rich knowledge on like the history of this town, and you know, some of the weird dynamics that come up with politics and uh, Matthew was also very supportive
1: I don't know if you have listened to the Hamilton uh, musical soundtrack I I happen to be a big fan one of my favorite lines and this is George Washington talking to Alexander Hamilton is winning was easy young man governing's harder yeah do you find that to be true
0: right now I will say that no okay but I, uh, weeks ago I would say yes and uh-huh. weeks from now I will say yes <laughs> because sometimes things start clicking and you feel progress mm-hmm. and you, uh, you see things like starting to come to fruition and you're really excited and uh, in those moments you're like this is like the same high that you get from campaigning and from doing the fun stuff that comes with trying to inspire people mm-hmm. but then yeah, three weeks ago if you, you would ask asked me I would have said governing is impossible there's so many personalities, there's so many obstacles, there's so much red tape. There's so many reasons why this won't happen. Mm. Uh, all, winning is just getting one more vote. That's, that's the, really, there are no qualifications to be an elected official. I know that for a fact. Uh, and the only, other than being a US citizen uh, <laughs> and of age. But yeah, governing is hard, but it's way more fun. It's, it's like this, when you can make things start to happen, it feels like so much more of an accomplishment.
1: How do you build consensus while also remaining productive? Because I, it occurs to me that a part of your job is to get all of those people on the table, mm-hmm. on the same table, yeah. um, and get them to talk and agree on some things. You don't want a bunch of meetings where everybody's just talking at each other and they're not listening to each other and you want them to eventually be productive. So how do you do both of those things? Uh,
0: You ask a lot of questions. You just... You listen to their complaints. You let them vent. You make sure that you're actively listening during that process and not just listening to what they're saying but what the underlying Mm -hmm. statement is. And then you bring the other side in and you're doing the same thing and you find that root of where the, what is the thing that caused this complaint? And you realize that a lot of that, what we're arguing over isn't even applicable. Mm. It's not, I mean, there's nothing more divisive than a homeless community. Uh, But I know that uh, every person I talk to wants to see the best for their town. They want to see the best for their community. They disagree on how we get there, but in order to create progress, you have to tell them, "Let's not. You guys, I got everything on the table. We're we're done with that now. Let's now come up with some agreed upon goals." Okay. What does that look? What does success look like for you? And you? that's the same? You describe the same thing. Now, how do we measure our progress there? And then what are little things that we're willing to start? What are the baby steps we can start taking to measure whether or not it's working? Because no one, once we get our egos out of the way and we, I think everyone's willing to do that when you're sitting down with them and you're genuinely want to hear them out and you want to ensure that they're included in the conversation. If you get that process, if you get that stuff out of the way, and everyone's just now ready. You got to get them ready to want to work together. It's not, it only doesn't work when people think that there's like a we're fighting or that there's a winner. There are no winners in politics, uh, it's just a ton of compromise, and hopefully, everyone loses equally. Mm. That's what government is supposed to try and do. We're all. I'm going to lose, I'm going to make you all lose a little bit of freedoms. I'm going to make you all lose a little bit of tax revenue. I'm going to make you lose a little bit of this and that, but it's just got to be an equal playing field where everyone hates me equally. That's what I want to (laughs) create.
1: I I like that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it that way, but I like that. Um, I asked you about uh, what your campaign platform was. Um, The other question I had about just campaigning and uh, elections is. Um, how does a city somebody running for city council member find out uh that they have won? Because election night in twenty eighteen was really exciting across the country. There were so many races to yeah. uh watch and Turlock was electing what a new mayor or yeah. potentially yeah. a new mayor, <laughs> city council member, obviously on the state level. Yeah. So how did you find out that you had won? Did you find out that night?
0: Yeah, so the the Stanislaus uh, county board of registrar the registrar people uh-huh. have a website okay dot org i think uh you just go to the election night results page and it's just the most boring uh text page where it's just every election uh in the county and all of the tallies and you just do go to that page and you refresh it okay over and over <laughs> and it's not
1: as exciting as the new york times like it's
0: (laughs) way more way more (laughs) because your name is on that page (laughs) and and you're just you go to that page and the first it comes in in waves the first one comes through and i was winning by four votes wow and that was such a relief because i was just like what if i'm losing by thousands i don't even know at this point there's no polling you when you're Um. when you're at this level you don't have money to poll you're just like it sounds like I have a chance. I think people generally know who I am. Like, not a lot of people, but enough of the voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like this idea. But then you're like, I could just be wrong. I could be so far wrong and my heart's going to break. just been <laughs> nice in my face, yeah. but not really. <laughs> yeah, they don't take me seriously. Uh, and I just go to that page and I was like, oh, you know, he's an incumbent. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm in the race. I've got a chance. This is great. And in my head I was thinking... Uh, the first round comes in, and if I'm close, I think I'm going to win, because the younger vote later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was all, like, the mail-in ballots being oh, shown. okay. And I was like, if I'm... I thought I would be losing with mail-in ballots, because I thought they were going to skew heavily his way. Um, and then when I saw that that wasn't the case, I was like, oh, I might win. <laughs> and I just got r- really... I was just like, I can't believe I was, I was trying to downplay it that night. I was just like, if I lose, it's fine. I did a great, it was a great campaign. I enjoyed it. It was a very fulfilling process. And I was just, you know, hedging my bets, getting ready for heartbreak. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that comes in and I was just like, oh, this might happen. Yeah. And I was just like, I really am excited. And I didn't, wasn't ready to be this excited.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> what did it feel like when you realized the people of your hometown had trusted you to represent them and make decisions on their behalf for this community.
0: I wish that's the thing that I would have except <laughs> but I know that majority of voters didn't know who they were voting for. Uh-huh. They just what unfortunately they want to change. And and I think most people once they get da- that far down to the ballot, the amount of people that actually know who I am mm-hmm. was small, but it's just like these I know that the people that I uh, that I spoke to, I was able to turn into my voters and that regardless of what the election night results were mm-hmm. going to be I was like I can you know I can do this if I figure out how to scale it and I can get in front of more people and if I could just make sure the message goes further I don't know I don't know how to campaign right now but I'm figuring it out uh, and when the election night results came in I wasn't thinking like the people have supported me I was just like I won <laughs> but I don't think they know who I am yet let's just, just not let them down yeah. that's what I was thinking
1: sure uh did you have a victory party of any sorts
0: y- we had a nice chai, chai, chai. Uh, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, it yeah was... that's the best kind <laughs> of yes, victory party uh but that night it was just uh ha- having my f- closest like f- just my family we got um some pizza and I hang out with the little ones and uh, that I mean that night I was hanging out with some friends earlier too and it was just like my closest group because mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to host a party sure. to find out I'm going to lose. That sounds like the worst. Yeah.
1: I want to talk about social media okay. because I think it has given a lot of politicians the ability to be able to connect with everyday folks on a more direct and personal level. We mm. have the current president who tweets all day. We have... Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York who builds her Ikea yeah. furniture on yeah. Instagram live stories. On a city level, what, how do you stay involved with your constituents? And how do you use social media to your advantage to benefit the people
0: yeah. who
1: essentially gave you this job?
0: I will say that I'm an old man in a young body. <laughs> and... Uh, I have not fully utilized social media because of my disdain for it in like the, what the negative mm-hmm. it brings. So I, we talked about the president, we mm-hmm. ca- talked about Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, we got the president who is now able to just send a message to the masses on a whim. Mm-hmm. We've got another young person who's actively engaging people in a in the process giving them some insight into the background uh, but also just on a whim able to make some really profound statements. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that is really valuable is that transparency and access but it is a double-edged sword and I haven't figured out how to wield it yet because in my dream, I, what I do is use my social, me, social media platform to get people off of the Internet and into City Hall. I know that I'm never going to get everyone into City Hall, but to engage more people in a meaningful way. The problem is we have a generation that believes that if they like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's Instagram page and her photos, that they're actively engaged in the democratic process, and they're not. Mm-hmm this is like the what is it, hacktivism or whatever mm-hmm. they're calling it. This is if it gives us those like proper, like in endorphin releases where we're just like, I did something today. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you didn't, you, you just like, you know, dealt with that little urge of doing something meaningful with your life. And now you're going to not do anything for a day. I would much rather you not like anyone's Instagram page not retweet any politicians anything and then just call a council member once a month it's way less of an engaging you don't have to spend nearly as much time and you will have a far more meaningful impact in your community so that's i got to figure out how to do that but that's the long-term plan
1: Um, I talked to uh, Dan Showman last year for the podcast. Um, he is from Chicago and he was President Obama's advisor when he was running for Senate. Um, he, he also happens to be Assyrian. Um, he was talking about the importance of Assyrians. Um, getting involved in politics because, especially in a city like Chicago or a city like Turlock, they are a large enough population that um, they can get the attention of uh, people running um, for office. Um, What are your views on Assyrians being involved in politics?
0: If we can organize and if we had very good leaders that can come to... The thing that's hard with Assyrians is the politics is even more extreme. I don't know if that's like that in your town, but some, you know, and Terlux has got uh, tr- troubled past sometimes when it comes to leadership uniting the Assyrians mm. behind a cause. We rarely see Assyrians united behind a cause. And that's a shame because we have so much potential in this town. I, I hope that we can, this new generation, this from, from here on out, we can do something more with the opportunity that's ahead of us. And I see a lot of reason to believe that that's going to be the case. But yeah, we're a swing vote in this town. We can change the dynamic of this community if we are actively engaged with this process. And, you know, they've got a councilman in here that doesn't want to let his community down and is ready to hear their ideas and ready to not only work them, but bring them to work for the city. Show them, the city, what value the Assyrian community can provide to it. We've got a lot of problems collectively as a town that we need everyone involved in. So, it's not just about, you know, turning a park into like an Assyrian, having a Assyrian monument, though I would love that. It's also about getting those Assyrians that show up to that event down here in our working groups uh, you know, we've got like great business owners involved that could probably be very valuable voices in helping us navigate the difficulties that we have.
1: When you were campaigning or even now, have you had a chance to meet with various Assyrian uh, communities or organizations?
0: Yeah, I've uh, made sure to go to everything that I'm invited to that I can. It's, you know, there's a lot of the, the young generation uh, is way more energized than i think my generation was and i i'm like it's really promising to see that and this civic club is always going to be that staple in in this town and i really am trying to inspire more new people to get involved in it because i believe the sad thing is i see a dying uh, civic club not something that it's no one's fault besides um the people of this town collectively i never thought in the same way like i never thought to run for office a lot of people don't think to become a member at civic club and to help shape that agenda every meeting that i've gone to for the civic club since i moved back here over a year ago has not had enough of a quorum to be able to have a meeting and uh if you guys are listening and you live in turlock go to the next civic club meeting and ask them what are, what do you want that club to do do you want new classes for the youth learn like english learning Assyrian learning whatever it is it's your club it's your hall it's yours in the same way the city is yours if you make it that club is yours and just I'm, i'm hoping that we can organize and reach our full potential but there's there's some really you know, good, good people already involved in it. And I trust that they're all moving in the right direction.
1: Well, I guess what I'm hearing from you is just, uh, um, taking more ownership yeah. of our communities, not local communities. And then even larger communities, our states, our yeah. countries, um, it's ours. The, it's the ours the if planet. we want it. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it really is. There's no, you yeah, know, that, that, that was the thing that eventually led me here is mm. like a realization that The world is going to be shaped by the leaders, whether or not you're one of them. Mm -hmm. And the leaders are not necessarily qualified. They're just the ones that stepped up. So if you want to lead whatever your community is, do it. And have a voice. Have have proper representation. Make sure that they hear your ideas before all of it's said and done.
1: The other thing I thought about just now is you moved away you lived in new york and then you came back here wanting to run for office was it a a challenge in any way or something that was used against you as you being an outsider Outsider. yeah
0: for sure i thankfully being born and raised here and the guy i was running against wasn't born and raised here but has he's lived pretty much the years that i moved away so he moved in Uh, like 12 years ago i moved away 12 years ago Mm -hmm. but i was like born and raised here so i was like Turlock born and raised definitely was my saving grace. If I was just an out-of-towner that moved to Turlock uh, and my dad wasn't my dad, (laughs) I've got no chance. Uh, But uh, definitely had to make sure people didn't think of me as like that big city kid that was going to come and destroy their town. Uh, Be like, Turlock is where I became who i am and i know what turlock wants to be i know that what people love about turlock and i know what people hate about this town mm-hmm. like in the campaign you never talk about the things that you never talk about like we hated this this and that and that's why i'm running you said no, this is a great clean community perfect place to raise your family you talk about all the goods but i know both of them mm-hmm. i this is where i was formed yeah. uh and that was able to get rid of those big city. G- Big city dude concerns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: because yeah, I can see that being like, maybe not even like a big city guy who's here to destroy our town, but a, a big city guy who doesn't really know yeah. what we want and yeah. he wants to impose his big city values yeah. on our yeah. small innocent town. Yeah, to I defi- definitely
0: <laughs> had that impression from some people, and I had to reassure them that you know I'm just here to plug in where I can help and. Mm-hmm. I don't want to inflict a will against the people at any point, even if I really like fundamentally disagree with what the will of the people is. It's going to be very difficult for me to ever vote against it unless I have incredible reason to think that they do not understand the issue properly. Mm-hmm. And that's that means I failed in ed, you know, properly educating them on where I'm coming from. Yeah.
1: Are there any leaders, Syrian or otherwise, who have inspired you?
0: I mean, Obama's always, like, honestly, like, one of the first leaders where I was truly inspired. Um, Nelson Mandela was another. Just the sacrifice that he had to make in his life and how the amount of patience that that man had for something that drives people crazy. Anyone that's a good with their words is incredibly inspiring to me because I am a writer. I've always like liked creative writing and I love to, um, yeah, I'm going to, it's, it's perfect that I would run out of words when I'm trying to talk <laughs> about the beauty of words. But, uh, when you realize, uh, yeah, when, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you realize the potential of the right words next to one another mm. and how much, real change they can have that's uh, yeah it doesn't like the the policies that people change i think like that's that's secondary like the kinds of things that um happen i you change culture first and the leaders that change the culture are the ones that really create meaningful long-term change
1: what are your future goals may or someday
0: Uh, I just want to do four years is so far away. (laughs) Uh, I want to just be I want to figure out if I can be good at being a councilman. Mm -hmm. And and, like there's I'm now like figuring out how to carve carve out a role in like the nonprofit space to really just align some of the community vision I have with a career. Um, So I'm like transitioning to that. So whatever I do is just the whatever i can do to impact and uh, help the community in the best way possible so uh if that's councilman for another four years after this then it's another four years after that because i just gotta be in at the right seat uh to do the best good um that was a great politician's answer wasn't it that was great yeah Yeah, because you didn't really answer my question but you know you said a bunch of words it sounded really
1: good (laughs) You said you studied anthropology, so I think this question might be interesting. Um, What major shifts do you see coming that will dramatically impact what it means to be human Mm. and how we carry ourselves?
0: Oh, I love this question. So what is it to be human? You know, philosophers ask that question Mm -hmm. a lot. And I think that there are things in our lives right now that... Have really really distracted us from the the essence of what humanity is and you know when I talk about social media and how it's kind of destroyed communications in like an intimate way even uh, you know this is gonna make me sound even older but texting is something that I think is somewhat cheapening connection I think that I, I believe that humanity operates on a pendulum and then we we're in a point right now where we're reading reaching like the precipice where there's so much anger with what we are that the kinds of things that we obsess over there's we're we're consumers without purpose and we're just buying to fill a void and our jobs aren't really making things anymore i really think that there's going to be a drastic shift in uh, becoming regrounded in like substance and uh, like taking things offline the internet's always going to be there but we're going to learn to make it a tool for us and not a, a poison we're gonna learn to have it compartmentalized and say i only access it when i need this this and that otherwise it needs to be out of my life i need to be here i need to be looking at the person i'm talking to because so much is lost with you know no matter how good those words are next to one another if they're read wrong they're they're said wrong and they don't mean the same thing so um i believe that humanity is really aching for the alternative to what we currently have and the young generation i i know that their parents have a huge responsibility right now to not just do what's easy Easy as putting a phone in front of their screens and making them stop crying. But we have to really understand what that's going to do to a generation. It's it's not, a, not about... And I think the people are going to recognize that. And on a large scale, uh, there's going to be more people power. The people are going to take it back from um, some like these really big, huge corporations that are far too influential in our lives. They're shaping our lives without us even having a say in it
1: the last question we always ask every person who's on the podcast is if you could say one thing to every Assyrian who listens to the podcast what would it be
0: Hmm. that we've got to trust one another That we've got to trust that we want the best for one another and we shouldn't be fighting petty fights that we just got to remember that the end of the day, there's not that many of us and we need to, you know, let love be the thing that guides us. And, you know, we're, we're Christian people and those values need to be present throughout our lives in every interaction that we have. That's we know the things that we don't like about what we do and let's constantly fight it. Let's be, be Let's be a better version of uh, a Syrian this, this time around.
1: Andrew thank you so much for your time and for being on the podcast thank you for having me Hi again thanks for listening to this week's episode it was so nice to be back with you if you liked what you heard please subscribe and review us wherever you're listening we'd love to hear from you whether you're just dropping in to say hi or you have someone to suggest for a future episode Head to www.assirianpodcast.com to find the different ways to connect with us. You can also find us on all social media platforms. Thanks again, and see you next Tuesday.